0: Welcome to the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. I'm your host, Larry Witzel. Seventh-day Adventist churches grow differently, and our goal with this podcast is to offer practical training for effective evangelism in the Adventist ministry context. Today we're sharing the first breakout session in the Bible study training track from the 2023 Propel Conference. This is the first of three sessions presented by Cindy Kaiser, a Bible worker in the Georgia Cumberland Conference. She has over 25 years of experience giving Bible studies and helping people make life-changing decisions for Jesus. In this presentation, Cindy shares her powerful testimony of how God brought her into this work. She talks about having a burden for others that comes from Jesus' love, the value of just one soul brought into the kingdom, and the power of prayer to change our own hearts. We'll hear Cindy's first presentation in just a moment. This episode is sponsored by It Is Written, a worldwide media evangelism ministry positively impacting lives for over 60 years. Their ministry continues to grow under the leadership of Speaker Director John Bradshaw. You can explore the It Is Written website for free online Bible studies, the weekly TV program script, video podcasts, and more. They also have evangelism resources for your church. I really appreciate the way this ministry has impacted local churches in so many positive ways over the years. In fact, my first job in evangelistic ministry was at It Is Written over 20 years ago, and we were just so blessed and honored to have their support for the Propel Conference. You can find all their resources to support your ministry at itiswritten.shop. That's itiswritten.shop. With that, let's hear from Bible worker Cindy Kaiser as she shares her first presentation on how to give Bible studies.
1: Well, my name is Cindy Kaiser. Just to give you a little information um, about me and my what the Lord has called me to do in, in my ministry, back in 96, I... Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had something that's really been traumatic in your life and has just drawn you to your knees. And I was kind of a just a nominal Christian to that point. Um, and I lost a baby. And I I just wanted a child so badly that it brought me to my knees. And during that time period, I was in the Word of God like I've never been in my life. And I found Jesus in a way I never had before and I just fell in love, <laughs> just fell in love with this God who loved me. And um, initially it was very selfish. I was looking for promises, I was looking for like an inside track, so to speak, that God would answer my prayer and give me this child that I so desperately wanted. And in the process of all of that it took years I had several other miscarriages before he actually gave me Hannah but it was after I finally surrendered my life to him and he said quit your job and work for me I was so happy you guys I had never been that happy in my life when I surrendered to Jesus I, I, I did never had that kind of joy that kind of feeling of love and when he came into my heart and and just transformed me Um, I I didn't even care if I I was going to be a mama anymore. I was happy. (laughs) I was really just looking for happiness, you know. I was just looking and I thought a child would make me happy. I really did. I really thought that that was what would give me happiness and joy in my life. Marriage didn't. I got married and it didn't make me happy. In fact, we fought terribly. And I, I thought having a child would just solve all our problems, right? And make us happy little family. And uh, the Lord had me go on a series of, of understanding and levels of, of showing me what true happiness is. And it's a relationship with Jesus that is the only thing in this life that Amen. gives us true happiness and it, and also through that it fixes our relationships with others <laughs> it does it just we make him number one it just if he's one then our you know our vertical relationship our vertical relationship is good our horizontal relationships are much better not to say that they're perfect um because none of us are perfect <laughs> but this is where he called me into full-time ministry I quit my job and I just started doing Bible work and I didn't know what I was doing, not a bit, I I really didn't, I just took Bible studies and I called the media leads, this was back in 96 before the internet was around but not like it is today, you know there was email and there was other things but I just called, it is written, Amazing Facts. I just got names of people that watched our shows and I went to their doors and said, Hi, I'm Cindy and I represent Amazing Facts and I just came over to get to know you. And then we'd sit down and we'd do these lessons. We used to do these good news lessons. They're old, they're old. I I don't even know if they're still around by um, Serigliani. Is that his last name? Tony something it was Italian (laughs) I remember that Um, but we did these together and I honestly guys through the process of just going and meeting people and sharing Jesus' love with them God just educated me he just educated me and then my husband was out of the church he was raised Adventist but he left uh, soon after we were married and uh, this is why we're fighting Um, and not getting along. And after Hannah was born, you know, God gave me this baby and this beautiful child. And he was converted in the process of all of that. He said he was always an Adventist and knew the truth, but didn't know the author of the truth. And that is a big, huge difference. <laughs> and he fell in love with Jesus. He saw something I had that he'd never seen before, and he wanted that. And I wanted him desperately to have it too. And he found Jesus, and God called us into full-time ministry. And we went to Amazing Facts College of Evangelism, and I went first, and then he stayed home with Hannah; she was three. And then uh, he went after I was done. It was—it just changed the whole trajectory of our life. And uh, through the process of getting, you know, going out before not knowing anything, I was doing, and then getting some some training, and then again going back out and getting more experience together. Um, My husband is uh, a pastor, but he's retired from that. He's working for his son, but he's also still in the ministry. He's he's planting a church in Georgia. I'm from um, a little town called Hiawassee, Georgia. Well, that's where I live right now. I'm not from there. I grew up in the Midwest, but... um, Anyway, just a little background on me, and I have been doing this since 1996. So uh, God has taught me, and I'm still learning. So I'm hoping that I'm praying. This morning, you guys, I was on my knees just praying with God that what I shared with you would give you in, in, empower you, that it would inspire you, that it would give you a desire, a, more of a hunger to do this work for Him. It's, it's about Him. It's all about Him. So let's have opening prayer. Father God, thank you so much that we can be together today here in this beautiful place in Vancouver, Washington that you have created. Lord, I remember the first time I was here, I just thought this was your country. This is, this is where you dwelt because it was so beautiful. And you are a God of beauty. And we love you. And we come to you this morning seeking uh, for your spirit to be among us. Please speak through me father today just I I really desire just to share you and lift Jesus up in Jesus name we ask amen well this was my first class at AFCO and I'm I can't take credit for this class it was by Annie Morgan uh, I don't know if you know Annie but she was one of my favorite teachers. Anyway, this was the very, very first class I took at AFCO, and it just revolutionized the way I thought about others. And I I always share this with other people because I just think it is so beautiful. I, I will share some stories of some difficult Bible studies I've had and my husband has had through the years that have you know, taught us a lot <laughs> in the sense of um, how to reach different types of people. There's so many and I, what I have found is that the Lord will lead you to a person that you can connect with and, and you, you will find that as you're you're sharing your testimony or, or just becoming friends that you will connect with this person in a level that that then they begin to really like you and love you and then they want to know why you are, or how you are, why you are, all those questions come out. So, but, but like, I loved his message this morning on the pyramid. Oh, that is just like the best. You know, I, used, I teach the cycle of the evangelism on the cycle of the harvest, but it really goes along with what he taught today, too. It's just a more modernized way of teaching. Uh, the cycle of evangelism and I thought it was very very good Um, I hope you enjoyed that this morning okay so often our hearts do not feel a burden for this lost world we are burdened with the cares of our own life sometimes life gets very hard and difficult our jobs can be stressful Uh, illnesses can be can can just take over your life Uh, Fear of how people will think of us when we share Jesus can be a problem. A whole host of reasons. Um, But the only way we will ever want to minister to a soul is if we have Jesus' burden, ourselves. That is the only way. Here's a quote. Uh, If you are in communion with Christ, you will place his estimate upon every human being. You will feel for others the same deep love that Christ has felt for you. Then you will be able to win, not drive, to attract, not repulse those for whom he died. See how important it is that we fall in love with Jesus first before we can even lead someone else to Christ. It's got to be this love relationship with Jesus that gives us the same burden and the same desire. None would ever have been brought back to God if Christ had not made a personal effort for them. He left heaven, he left everything, and came here to win us, you know, and it is by this personal work that we can rescue souls. When you see those who are going down to death, you will not rest in quiet indifference and ease. The greater their sin and the deeper their misery, the more earnest and tender will be your efforts for their recovery. You will discern the need of those who are suffering, who have been sinning against God, and who are oppressed with a burden of guilt. Your heart will go out in sympathy for them, and you will reach out to them a helping hand in the arms of your faith, your faith, and love. You will bring them to Christ. You will watch over and encourage them, and your sympathy and confidence will make it hard for them to fall from their steadfastness. Someone was asking, how do you get them quipping, flighty you know their lives are out of control it's your love your sympathy your you know when God gives you someone that you know is a divine appointment and he has put you together you invest your heart soul and mind in that person and you just give them what you have Jesus you give them Jesus you give them everything he's done for you and in that your sympathy and confidence will make it hard for them to leave they won't want to go anywhere that's where they'll want to be in Galatians it tells us in chapter 6 verse 9 and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says as for the rest of you dear brothers and sisters in Christ never get tired of doing good sometimes people get burnt out and if you get burnt out if you're doing ministry and you're burnt out what's the problem you guys what's causing the burnout We've well, lost absolutely we we haven't spent the time with Jesus every day we need that's our next session I just want to go quickly through these because this is so beautiful the value of one soul think of the most craziest person you know that is the most difficult person to deal with Okay, think of that person as we go through this. Or think of someone that you just think is so lost to this world and there's just no hope. Think of this person as we go through this. One soul who embraced the truth was regarded more value than mountains of gold. We wept and rejoiced and could scarcely sleep. Here we see mountains of gold. Is, is, is the value of one soul is more than that. We see here this, you know, I, I found a picture of gold mountains. I'm thinking, think of all the gold, you know, the mountain range, and it was all gold, just pure gold. And one soul, that person you're thinking of, is more valuable than that. Amen. The salvation of souls is greater consequence than the whole world. One soul saved to live throughout the ages of eternity, than millions in money wealth sinks into insignificance when compared with the worth of souls for, the, for whom Christ died so here we see did it phrase up there we go the whole world and millions in money the whole world the value of this entire world one soul is worth more than this millions of money there's no money in comparison to that person you're thinking of there's no money in comparison Jerusalem had been the child of his care the speaking of Christ and as a tender father mourns over a wayward son so Jesus wept over the beloved city how can I give thee up how can I see thee devoted to destruction must I let thee go to fill up the cup of thine iniquity one soul is of such Value that in comparison with it worlds sink into insignificance this is from Desire of Ages one of my favorite books outside the Bible worlds guys not just our world one soul is worth all the worlds combined I was trying to find that quote she said that too all the worlds combined do not even come close to the value of one soul that's just amazing to me the frailest human being may be elevated ennobled refined and sanctified by the grace of God this is the reason God values men and those who are workers together with God who are filled with divine compassion will see and estimate men in the same way that God sees and estimates them whatever may be the nationality or color whatever may be the social condition The the missionary of God will look upon all men as the purchase of blood of Christ and will understand that there is no caste with God or caste with God. No one is to be looked upon with the indifference or to be regarded as unimportant for every soul has been purchased with an infinite price. So the infinite price, the value of one soul, who can estimate it? Would you know it's worth? Go to Gethsemane. And there, watch with Christ through those hours of anguish when he sweat, as it were, drops of blood. Look upon the Savior uplifted on the cross. Hear that despairing cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look upon the wounded head, the pierced side, the marred feet. Remember that Christ risked it all. I read this book called God at Risk. It was incredible, the risk God took to save us. For our redemption, heaven itself was imperiled. At the foot of the cross, remembering that for one sinner, Christ would have laid down his life. One, just one. You may estimate the value of his soul by looking at the cross of Christ. I don't care who that individual you're thinking of, Jesus would have come and died for that individual. So the whole world, mountains of gold, millions of dollars, all the worlds, an infinite price, the life of Christ. In working, now this is, this is so, we have angels that are with us everywhere we go. In working with, for perishing souls, you have the companionship of angels. They're with you. We need to be cognizant of that that we have angels that are beside us thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 angels are waiting, they're at the throne, they're waiting to cooperate with members of our churches and communicating the light of, that God has generously given that a people may be prepared for the coming of Christ. You know, I, when I'm praying sometimes I like to visualize I don't know if you guys like to do that. Do you like to visualize when you're praying? I pray I'm in the throne room, and I see angels all around the throne, 10,000 times, 10,000 times, 10,000, standing before God, and, and God hears my prayer, and he thinks to one angel that's standing there and says, Go. And he thinks to another one, Go. And he thinks to another one, Go. It gives directions. His mind is so amazing. You guys, the capacity of, the, of God's mind is beyond any computer we can fathom. He can direct all of those angels simultaneously and hear our prayers simultaneously and do all this amazing work in the universe because we pray. Because we pray. We don't, we don't realize the power of our prayer. It is just, it's, it's just phenomenal. So let's now pray, let's stand together and pray that God will place this intense burden upon our hearts and we're going to go into another session, but this is a quick one. Um, but, but that God will place this incredible burden on our hearts for, let's think of that one person you're, you're, you thought of and, and, and give you divine appointments with others, but that we can have this kind of love that he has because we can't conjure this up. We don't have it. We're fallen. Mm-hmm. The only, God is love. If we don't have him, we don't have it. So do you mind if we pray together? Okay. Dave, do you mind having the prayer for us? Sure. Okay.
2: Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, you know why we're here, and you know the motivations of our heart. And uh, already, I would say, you have put on our hearts a burden a concern a deep interest not only in ourself to to be in ministry for you to be using our time <clears throat> to do something for eternity to win people to your kingdom Lord, how to gain contact with people how to love people and how we can win their confidence in their hearts and discern their hearts so we can truly share what you want us to teach them that they may fall in love with Christ. Amen. Amen. Somehow, Lord, in this mystery of godliness, this mystery of iniquity and sin and the kingdom of heaven, everything that's a mystery we know a little bit about. Mm -hmm. Please, though, reveal more to us in this class. Reveal more to us how we can truly be your servant and connect with these dear, precious people. Thank you that you are going to lead us to people. Thank you you are already. And I just thank you that we can now just um, ask you to take our lives and do that miraculous transforming that needs to continue in our life, that somehow we can achieve and fulfill what you're already inspiring us to see as our vision, and what we have been doing in life. I know, Lord, we're on a tremendous pilgrim's journey, and we're nearing the kingdom. We sense the signs of the times. We're so close to Christ's return. And uh, for many of us, we're growing older, and we want to use the best time that we have, the best of our life. Amen. Give it to you, Lord. So God, fill these hours, these moments together. Bless our teacher. Bless that all that is shared may, that we may have a radar that picks up what the Holy Spirit wants us to see and remember and record. So bless us in every aspect of this class. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. I wanted to share one story that I forgot to share about Greg. Greg was a unique individual. Greg was one of these people that rub you the wrong way, that say the most inappropriate things, tell the dirtiest jokes, is just crass, so annoying. He had a problem with eating too much. Uh, He'd come to my cooking classes and just clean up the place. (laughs) I loved Greg. I loved Greg. God gave me a love for him. in my old life, I wouldn't have. He would have been one of the most annoying people I've ever met. I would have not wanted to be around Greg <laughs> at all. And I don't know. Jesus just gives you this love for people that, you know, just... And, and he knew I, I, that I cared about him. And he never had anyone that just generally liked him like this and So I invited him over for Friday night and had my husband teach this Bible lesson because Greg is all over the place and Greg's a talker and, and he's difficult to, to, to deal with and so Steve is my husband is very very good with dealing with difficult people because he was in management for a long time before he became a pastor so he knows how to deal with people and anyway just long story short Greg got baptized Before he was baptized, he was in our house one night and there was something that happened that just, he was so torn up about. And he sat on my couch and cried like a baby as we led him to Christ. That Jesus Christ, he used to be a bouncer at a bar, at a gay bar in Atlanta. (laughs) He used to be like a druggie. He used to like women, every different woman every night. He just has had just a crazy crazy life and he almost died of a heart attack and boom he decided he was going to be vegan he shows up at the health food store at my cooking class this is how i met greg (laughs) boom overnight i'm going to be vegan because i don't want to die so he decided to do this and he didn't and i could see Greg transformed physically before my eyes. He had these black circles, you guys, around his eyes. He looked so unhealthy. And he just started losing weight and he just started all those his skin started looking nice and it was just amazing. Anyway, when that night when we were leading him to Christ, he just couldn't believe that God could forgive him. And he cried like a baby. And Greg got baptized. He was going to church for a while and guess what? No one liked him. Mm-hmm. No one would befriend him. Mm-hmm. It broke my heart. Steve and I always, you know, invited him always, but he just didn't feel feel welcome at our church. And it's just broke my heart. I still contact Greg, and he still believes. At Christmas I went to his trailer. He's just been uh, he's been on just a rough road. Uh, still. I came to his trailer and I gave him a Christmas present. And gave him some goodies, and he was like, Cindy, you're like my only friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need that kind of love. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not saying it's from me. Because mm-hmm. normally I, Greg would drive me nuts. <laughs> but he, God just put him on my heart. And you can't let go if God has given him to you, right? Yes. You just can't let go. Okay, the science of soul winning. This quote just jumped out at me in the Ministry of Healing. The highest of all sciences is the science of soul winning. Oops. The greatest work. It is the greatest work we could possibly do, you guys. There's nothing better, nothing more noble than this work. To which human beings can aspire is the work of winning men for this, from sin to holiness. For the accomplishment of this work, a broad foundation must be laid, a com- which the foundation is Christ. <laughs> a comprehensive education is needed. We must, we must get educated, you guys. It's, it's imperative. We need a comprehensive education. So, what is the definition of science? The study and the th- theoretical explanation of natural phenomena, a systematic activity requiring study and method, knowledge, especially that acquired through experience. That's that's science. So, in order for us to do this, we must first sharpen our axe. Let me get the story. I'm going to read to you. Do you guys like? Have you ever heard of Glenn Kuhn yeah. Oh, he's one of my faves. You guys, any of his books on soul winning, will, you will cry through it. <laughs> Path to the Heart, I cried through the whole book. It is a beautiful, beautiful soul winning book. He wrote this, he, in one of his uh, books, he, I copied and pasted this story. A young man approached the foreman and the logging crew and asked for a job. And he said, that depends, replied the foreman. Let's see if you can fell this tree. The young man stepped forward and successfully felled the tree. Impressed, the foreman said that he could start on Monday. But on Thursday of the first week, the foreman said to the young man, at the end of today, you can pick up your check and on your way out. Startled, the young man replied, I thought you paid on Friday. Well, normally we do, said the foreman, but we are letting you go today because you have fallen behind. Our daily fouling charts show that you drop first place on Monday to last place today. But I'm a hard worker, said the young man. I arrive first, I leave last, and have been worked through my coffee breaks. The the foreman, sensing the young man's integrity, thought for a moment and asked, Have you been sharpening your axe? Mm -hmm. The young man replied, No. I have been working too hard to take time to do that. Do we do the same thing? Do we get so busy doing the Lord's work that we don't sharpen our acts? There isn't wrong activity, and, and there's nothing wrong with hard work, but are we taking time to pray, to, to study the scriptures, or to listen to his still, small voice of God? If we don't take time to sharpen our acts, we will become dull, and lose our effectiveness. So we're going to talk about personal preparation and soul winning. This is so vital, you guys. In order to even be a, a soul winner, we have to have that time with Jesus, personal prayer, personal Bible study, having faith. We talked. We we heard about that last night. How important faith, vision, passion, faith. Right? Oh, it was so good. I, I really enjoyed. I've enjoying these these. Uh, sermons we're getting love and kindness and persistence so let's take one look at prayer we're told that prayer is the breath of a soul it is the secret of spiritual power no other means of grace can be substituted and the health of the soul may be preserved except by through prayer we, 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 we don't realize how powerful this is for our spiritual being. Prayer brings the heart into immediate contact with the wellspring of life and strengthens the sinew and the muscle of the religious experience. Neglect the exercise of prayer or engage in prayer spasmodically now and then as seems convenient and you lose your hold on God. God, the spiritual faculties lose their vitality and the religious experience lacks health and vigor. Mm-hmm. So we, breath of the soul, it's, 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 if we think about breathing, I, I did some research. How long, can, how long has someone held their breath? How long does someone go without air? And, the, and this is the... the, the uh, winner. In 2012 Stig Severson broke the world record for breath-holding without swimming with a time of 22 minutes and didn't die. But that's how long we can go without prayer. That's all. <laughs> now we can't be on our knees all the time. That's just not practical or but we can be cognizant of God with us at all times and as we're thinking we talk to Him as we're going through our daily things, we talk to him. As we, you know, I just find myself like in my head, just talking to God throughout the day as I do whatever I'm doing. And this is what we need. This is what keeps us connected. And we need to pray for the Spirit. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. I remember this is one of my favorite verses. I love to give my child. she loved you know it just made me so happy to give her what she wanted now you know I probably indulged her too much she was the only child and I probably gave her too much stuff but uh it was just made me happy to give her things that made her happy and I thought you know when I read this verse it just touched my heart because that's how God looks to us he wants to give us good things he 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 finds joy like we do when we give our children things he finds joy in that too but he says the best gift of all is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That is the, the best gift he can give us. So all we have to do is ask for it. That's it. We have no power in ministry unless we receive the power from the Holy Spirit. From this quote, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You see, we can't even witness without the Holy Spirit. Witnessing isn't something we put upon ourselves. Like, I'm going to go witness today. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will. You just can't help but witness. Um, Acts 4.31 says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. It wasn't something that they planned to do. It just happened because the Spirit of God poured out on them. And so this is something we have to ask for on a daily basis. I want to tell you a story of a pastor in the Sudan War Refugee Camp. Um, This happened a while ago. There was a pastor who was living there in the refugee camp and he brought another refugee to Christ and studied with him and he accepted Christ and he became a Seventh-day Adventist. And he heard in his hometown that that the rebels were gone so he went back home and he started witnessing he couldn't help it he just had to share what he had learned and he shared with all his friends and family members and he had seven people ready for baptism and he didn't and he had a problem he didn't know who, who, who would baptize these because the pastor had baptized him at the refugee camp so he walked all the way back to the refugee camp it took days for him to go back to the pastor and the pastor's like I'm an old man I can't make that trip and go back to your camp I'm so sorry so the man walked back to the camp and got all his seven friends and they walked back to the refugee camp so the pastor could baptize them and he baptized them but on the way back they didn't immediately go home they stopped in cities all the way back to their hometown and they witnessed and formed churches in every single town as they went back to their town see when the when you just can't help but share your faith with others and steps to Christ no sooner does one come to Christ that is born in his heart a desire to make known to others what a precious friend he has found in Jesus so have a designated time that you pray we need to pray all the time but there needs to be a time where you have no distractions some people are morning people some people are night people sometimes your mom and the only time you have is when your child's sleeping <laughs> So you got to find a time, whatever that is. But Jesus, he did it in the morning. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. If the God of heaven needs prayer, how much more do we need to pray? Communion with God will impart a moral elevation to the character and to the entire course of action. People will notice. When we take this kind of time... To pray, they notice something different about you. Men will take knowledge of us, as of the first disciples, that we have been with Jesus. Communion with God through prayer and the study of his word must not be neglected, for here is the source of our strength. Does your mind wander? Does that happen when you're praying? Oh my yes. aye, aye, aye. It it happens to me too. So this is from our high calling as a devotional book. That, that Ellen White wrote, learn to pray aloud where only God can hear. Now, I've heard people say, I don't want to pray loud because then Satan and his angels can hear and know what I'm praying about. But we are told that angels come around us when we pray. The, the host of heaven cannot, or the host of hell cannot be around us when we're talking to God. He must flee. He can't. I mean, he cannot handle anyone who's praying. So learn to pray aloud because that can help engage your mind and it's learn learn it's it, it, it takes practice if you don't do that it takes practice to learn to pray out loud and it helps your brain focus because you have got to engage your mouth and your mind at the same time but you got to have a place where you can do it where there's nobody else around you know so you got to find that place try prayer journaling now I'm a very fast typist I, I when I write, I, my my hand can't keep up with my mind, <laughs> so I type my prayers. So I've been doing this for years, you guys. I have a, just a host of prayers on my in my laptop, and I got to share an experience. If you do this, it's it, God will use this. If you journal, He will bring back things to your mind that you have totally forgotten. I got to tell you a story. I woke up on December 3rd, 2020 and this date was impressed upon my mind so strongly May 13 May 13 I did not know why I was like why am I why is this in my head so so strongly so I, then I like the thought came look at your prayer journal on May 13 so I went back to every prayer journal that I've written you know, on my files on my computer and I'm looking for May 13 and I had two because I don't do this every day sometimes I don't have time to journal like that but I pray in my knees but if I take the time to do this it takes longer so I look back and I found two and this is what I found on May 13th 2005 now this is December 3rd 2020 so this is how many years later 15 years later I this was a segment in my May 13th prayer about my mom and, I, and I, when I do my journaling, I put the person's name and then I say a prayer for that person and another person's name. So this is an excerpt onto my prayer for that day. I, asking God, I pray that our visit will be wonderful. I pray that I can paint her house and do a good job. I, was, I remember when I went to do this. I pray that I will be able to witness to her by my life and my love for her. She already knows the truth. She had watched all of Doug Batchelor's videos and didn't make a decision. I pray that I will be able to show her from your word how the papacy is the beast of Revelation 13. Oh God, I plead for my mom. I pray that we'll have an opportunity to really talk while I am there visiting. Bless my mom. Give her health long enough to really know you and for her to fully surrender. I pray that you would prepare her for your soon coming and that she would be a mighty witness for you. This was my prayer from my mom. You guys... When I, (laughs) during the pandemic, my mom asked me if we could study together and we did it on Zoom, not Skype, we did it on Skype, her and I, and we were going through my Daniel study together. I have a series called Keys of the Kingdom that go chapter by chapter through Daniel and Revelation, and if you're interested, I can give you the link to those, um, the PowerPoint presentations and lessons, Um, and she wanted to go through that with me during the pandemic. So we were going through them together, week by week by week. And guess where we were when I was woken up that morning to go look up May thirteenth? Where was my mom and I in the, the whole sequence of the study? Guess. see. I got on my knees and just bawled like a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said. God, I can't outdo you you are beyond finding out you are amazing you are so amazing did my mom accept it no I mean she listened <laughs> but it's there and you know my mom almost died last August my mom turns 90 this September and I went out last August and I, she was on her deathbed in the in the ER I mean she looked like death and I was just making sure she was ready to go. I, you guys, I was, I got all my sis- siblings and everybody out of the room. And, and I said, Mom, do you believe that Jesus has saved you? Oh, no, I've been too bad. Oh, no. I said, Mom, no, no. You have, no. I was just crying. I'm holding her hand and I'm pleading with her. No, you know Jesus, he loves you. And I quoted, um, for, uh, if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you mom cleanse you of all unrighteousness all you need to do is do that mom oh that's a beautiful promise but it's not for me you guys you just had no idea how I was just pleading for her soul that day meanwhile unbeknownst to me my sister has met this wicked witch and she is a Wiccan, you know, Wiccans, uh, Wiccan. Wiccan, that's a religion, um, Harry Potter. She met this Wiccan witch and she was communicating with this Wiccan witch. And when mom was sick, she was asking this Wiccan witch to pray for her. Okay. And she was sending videos of my mom to this Wiccan witch. Mm-hmm. And my mom, then she tells my sister, I put a curse on you and your family. Mm-hmm. And in, in that world, that's a good thing. There's good curses and bad curses. There's white witches and black witches. And she was a white witch. There's no such thing as a good witch. My sister has no clue about this. And she tells me this. And I I make her leave. I go, you know, I said, Debbie, go home. You're tired. Go rest. I'll stay with mom. I realize now what's going on. I'm battling the great controversy in that ER room. There are demons in there telling my mother that she can't, she's been too evil to be forgiven and she's not going. I pled with her. I just She could never come to that realization that Jesus forgave her, not there. And I said, God, don't let her die. Please save her life. And she went to sleep and she hadn't woken up and I went home to my sister's house. I took a shower I went back the next morning. Grandkids and nieces and nephews and everybody was coming into town Say goodbye to mom because mom was dying, and my sister and her husband go up there. My other—I have three sisters. Another sister went up there, and all of a sudden, my mom just sat upright. Hi, Pete. What are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Clears the bell. Everything good? We're all like stunned because the doctor says call hospice. It's you know, it's over. And God healed her. He answered my prayer. Later that night, I got everybody out of the room and I got special permission to, to spend the ho- night in the hospital because that was still in COVID. And they, I got everybody to go home and I said, I want to stay with mom tonight. Is anybody in a pin, you know, opposed to that? Me staying with mom tonight? She was afraid to be alone, she said. She told me a story. She was dreaming that she was in a dark room. Oh, another thing she told me the night before was that they were telling her that she was to, that she would not wake up the next morning. I said, Who are they, Mom? I don't know. I said, God? No, it's not God. I said, Who is Jesus to you? Oh, he's my boss. I said, Oh, good, he's your boss. Do you love Jesus? Oh, Jesus is so good. But she couldn't, she knows him, but she couldn't give her belief faith was failing and so the next night when I was in her room and she was telling me what was happening she was in a black room and she saw a door and she knew if she went through that door she would die and she was in a she said she was in this uh, anxiety because she knew she wasn't ready to go and she didn't know what to do and all she remembers is tears on her hand that was me and she, she decided not to go through the door. And then she woke up the next day. And then I told her what happened the night before. And her face just went white and she didn't want to talk about the whole situation. Hasn't talked to me about it since. But every day she sends me a prayer and we watch... Uh, Doug Batchelor and while I was there not Doug bachelor uh, she likes Pastor Bradshaw when I was sitting by her bed doing the, the this book together about you know, mom, what are your favorite? tell me some stories and I was writing the mom book out you know, for our family and asking her questions and her telling me stories about everything in her life at the end I asked her who her favorite pastor was and she goes, you know, you know, you know him like, you know, David Jeremiah oh no, no, I've outgrown him Oh. oh, I know she liked that woman uh, preacher. Um, what's Beth. her? Name? Um, not Beth, but the other one, um, who she goes all over the world. Adventist, right? No, non-Adventist oh. woman. I can't think of her name, but she loved her, and I said her name, and she goes, "Oh no, no. You know, I like her and everything, and she's helped me, but I think her theology is wrong." <laughs> okay? And so I'm sitting in there and I'm like, who mom? I said Doug Bachelor, because she's watching, no, I like Doug, but no, 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 no. You know that guy with the accent. <laughs> I said, Oh, Pastor Bradshaw. Yeah, I love him, because he watched she watched all of his series during um COVID. Uh he had done um I can't forget the name of his series, but she had watched it because I had recommended it to her. And So every morning I send her Pastor Bradshaw's daily devotional and we talk about it and we pray. Mm -hmm. My mom is still alive today because of the prayer. Mm She had been lost, you guys. She had been lost. Mm -hmm. Satan was fighting for her soul. You guys, prayer it's so powerful it unleashes the angels to come do it unleashes the Holy Spirit It unleashes God's ability to work if we didn't pray if I hadn't been there I flew when I heard my mom was dying I was on the next plane and I was there she lives in Tucson Arizona and I was there I ran into the ER I was afraid I was gonna get there too late and I was there for that for that purpose but see God loves us so much she's not letting my mom die until he's answering my prayer yes. so let give her health long enough to really know you So and surrender she hasn't yet I know my mom hasn't yet she's afraid to die she has a procedure this Thursday and she's terrified she may die she's not ready but I know God won't let her die and I told her, I said, God's got you in his arms, Mom. He's not going to let you die. Because he is more willing, that he's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. I know my mom is going to heaven. I just know it. Because God is going to, my, my faith will get her there. She's not ready. She doesn't understand this. But I know she will be, God loves her. And he's going to save her. Amen. So God never forgets our prayers. He will answer prayers from years and years ago that you've forgotten about. If you prayer journal, He'll bring you back to that take the time you guys I don't do it every day but take the time to do it some because he will lead you back and as you review things you can also go back in years and see where you were and what you were praying about and what what and how God has fixed that problem that also increases our faith and knows that God is working and sometimes it's not overnight but God will answer eventually how long we should pray a lot of people ask me that okay long enough to know that you've been in his presence this is what I believe is so important. It's not a time limit. Just to know that He has heard you, just to have that sense of His presence and that sense of knowing that He is with you and He has heard your prayer, and you have that assurance. That's all. There's no time limit to it. You know. Sometimes it may take hours. Sometimes it could be five minutes. This morning when I was praying for us as we go through these classes together, I had assurance immediately. So I knew God had heard my prayer and I could go on. Ministering angels are waiting about the throne to instantly obey the mandate of Jesus Christ to answer every prayer offered in earnest, living faith. Do you believe that? Amen. Pray for people by name. Epiphras? I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Who is one of you, a servant of Christ, salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. We need to pray for each other. We need to plead for God to, to, to for each other ask God to show specifically what to do for the person that you may be studying with or someone in your family or someone that you're witnessing to or your neighbor or something ask God to show you what to do likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities and for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered so when you don't even know what to do for someone but you know you need to do something or you or you you want to help but you don't know how the Spirit knows so pray seek God he will give you the answer you need um, through prayer and Bible study uh, in Acts 17 11, these were more noble than than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all ready, readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily when I don't know what to do about a certain issue I, I go to my the Word of God and God will lead me it's amazing how he'll lead me to read something for that day that will answer what I need to know or how to help someone and I'll read it and I'll go Oh, that I'll read it and, and he'll say send this to so-and-so they need this today and I'll send it to someone and they'll say Cindy, this is like an answer to my prayer how did you know I'm like I didn't God knew this is the type of interaction and prayer we need with God we need to have, hear his voice, we need him to give us direction, we need him to tell us what to do for the day. Because there's people who we're, we love and care for that need our prayers and need to know we, we, can, we can be the answer to their prayer. Prayer is opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Prayer is a two-way street. One speaks, the other listens. You ever have a friend that calls up and you go, now we have caller ID, we go, oh, I don't have time for that person. Because all she wants to do is talk and not listen to anything that I have to say. And she goes on and on and on, and she doesn't respect my time, and blah, 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 blah. Have you had a friend like that? Or someone that you, oh, you know, like, oh, I've had, my, my sister tells me there's this girl that she lives by that she, that she sees her in the supermarket. She pulls up her phone and she just presents. <laughs> Pretends like she's talking to somebody else because she. This woman will just take an hour of her time and talk your ear off. Good communication is you talk and listen, and then you're listen, and the other person's listening, and then they talk and you listen, and it's a communication is back and forth, right? This is prayer. Prayer is communicating with God. How can we hear His voice when we do all the talking?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We can't and and prayer is the opening of the heart of God to a friend he wants to talk to us so desperately and we don't listen we don't take time to listen to what God wants to tell us and he wants to tell you things for your day for you today Tom he's got an agenda for you today and he wants to tell you but we don't want to hear it because we're too busy we're in a hurry we're in a rush it's 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 just taking this time, guys, really is important. Pray for the through the Psalms. Have you ever done this? David poured his heart out to God. Put the psalms in the first person as you pray. Have you ever done that? Just take sometimes I don't know what to pray even to where to start in my prayer, and I'll go to the Psalms and I'll find a I'll find a prayer that David prayed, and I'm like, that is perfect for me today. He couldn't have said, you know, couldn't have said it better. And so I just put my I and me and it's for me. It's, it's a divine prayer. You know, David was inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote that psalm. And so it's a prayer. And most of the psalms are prayers. And so if you're struggling, go to the psalms and just start with Psalm 1 and go through them and they will just catch. it's God speaking and you you talk to God and then he speaks back to you and then you you say but you oh Lord, you're you're my shield today and then pause and 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 say yes and God you know in this situation I need your I need your shield today and he says my glory and the one who lifts up my head you yes God you you, you are the one that lifts up my head. So just take time and go through the scriptures like this. So it's God speaking, and you're responding. God speaking, and you're responding. It's pra- it's talking. It's communication. <laughs> it's it's a beautiful way to talk to God in this way, because it's His word. He's talking, right? Pray pray through the epistles. Um, I discovered that in. Uh, uh, Philippians chapters there's four chapters the first one is joy of the Lord The second one is joy in trial the third one is joy in surrender and the fourth one is joy and gratitude go through that and pray I thank my God every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy so the whole it's like read a read a chapter and get okay what's one word that that just jumps out at you from this chapter What's the word, for God? What is my? What is the word you want me to understand? And joy jumped out at me, and so joy. So the whole everything is my prayer is focused around joy with God. So you go back and forth. This is how you can pray through and let God talk to you, and you respond. Visualize it. What do I see in this passage? Use your brain. Let, let you, you know, like I, I love to visualize things. Uh, I visualize the throne a lot. I visualize when, I'm ta- when I read the, the, the Gospels, I visualize Christ walking through a crowd of people and them thronging around him. Everywhere he went, people just couldn't, had to get close to him. I visualize it. How would I feel if I was there? I'd be like trying to get there too. I'd be like, get me close to him. What does it mean to me today? God, I want to be close to you Today. I want to be right there with you. So take that time, you guys, to pray like this. Visualize it. Just remember Vim. Visualize it. How do I feel? What does it mean to me today? Prayer must be based on the Word of God. It says in John 15, 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, see how he's teaching us. You shall ask me, ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. When we pray the word of God, God does it. Because he's not a liar, right? God does, it's impossible for God to lie. So when you pray for God to do these things, in prayer as you're talking, it's just like he's talking to you, and he says, Cindy, I'm going to do this for you today. And, and to just believe his word. Remember in the Garden of Eden, they had to decide whose word to believe. God's word or the serpent's words? They had to decide what word to believe. We have to believe God's word. When, even when, you know, i sad to tell you my daughter's not walking with Christ. But I have to believe. God says he'll contend with him who contends with me and he will save my children. I have to believe that with all my heart and work accordingly and act accordingly and believe accordingly and everything I do is accordingly to that. That is what's living the Word of God. So with all the promises of God's Word in them, He is speaking to us individually. That's, it's, he is wanting to tell you something out of the Word today. Speaking as directly if he would, if we could listen to His voice. If we could actually be in His presence. Reading the Word of God is like that. It's like you're right there with Him in His throne room and He's talking to you. He's telling you this. And you go, boom, on your face before God. (laughs) And you are just like in awe of his wonderfulness and beauty. and Yeah, that's what it is. So ask God to bless and multiply your, your talents. If any of you lack wisdom, come and ask of God who gives to all men liberally and he doesn't hold it back from anyone. Find a prayer partner. Very, very important to find a prayer partner. Jesus promises when two or three come together in prayer, says that she'll be done for them what they've asked when they agree. It's a promise. Believe it. You know, Josephine and I will pray for our our kids and our grandkids, and we 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 believe, don't we, Josephine? When we pray, we because we're we're coming together and we're agreeing, and we believe, even though we can't. It doesn't look like it. If you're looking at it like right now, you would say no way, but we believe. Faith is both a condition and a free gift. Did you know that? God gives it to us. It's a gift, but it's also a condition to prayer. We have to believe and have faith, or our prayers don't do anything. Yes? Was that in the book you mentioned? Yes. yes. Yeah, Glenn Kuhn, yes. But without faith it is impossible to please him, Hebrews eleven six. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith okay so everybody, he's given us this gift no longer do we need to lament or lack of faith God had already dealt to everyone us faith all we need to do is exercise it and it will grow it says, but the fruit of the spirit is faith so God gives it to us but we have to exercise it and it's faith is both a condition and a free gift we may, but be, we may be shut in by the promises of God which will be as a wall of fire about us. Just visualize that, you guys. We're praying and there's a wall of fire around you. We want to know how to exercise faith. Faith is the gift of God, but the power to exercise it is ours. If faith lies dormant, it is no advantage to us. But in exercise, it holds all the blessings in our grasp. Believe whatever God has promised you. Believe. And it will be. It will. God is not, cannot, it's impossible for him to lie. It's impossible because when God says it, it is, it is, it is what it is and he says it. God speaks and it's there, right? So if he's spoken this, it's for us. We just have to exercise the faith. Obedience is a condition to receiving also the promises, but it's also obedience is a gift we don't have we can't conjure up obedience you guys it's not something that we are able to even obey so whatever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight okay but how do we keep those commandments because because in Ezekiel it tells us I God will cause you to walk in my statutes I will put my laws into their mind it's all God we're just willing it's all him obedience is a condition but it's also something he gives us it's not something that we conjure up we don't have it we can't even obey Our, our promises are like ropes of sand diligence so this is this is so important diligence and perseverance are both conditions and free gifts read personal messages to the Bible worker from Glencairn okay here is here's something that Glenn Kuhn wrote to every person who studies and teaches someone the Bible. There's always a temptation to tell John Doe what he must do in order to receive the favor of God. This can be a grave mistake. It is important to always remember that John Doe is a slave to sin like we are. He may be like a prisoner in a cell. A prisoner cannot escape. For one to suggest that he can is but to mock him in frustration. What a what a prisoner needs is the key if he would find freedom. There is a key to the freedom of John Doe. The key is Jesus Christ, his love, his power, his promise. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. John 8:36. If John Doe could obey in his own strength, he would not need a savior. If John Doe uh, could give up the conditions, of, if John Doe could live up to the conditions of prayer, he would not need Jesus. What we need to do when we meet John Doe, when we write him, when we converse with him by telephone, is simple. We need to act like Jesus. We need to have an unshockable attitude toward John Doe, just like the pastor said. brought some beer over. Put it in the fridge. Didn't shock him, right? Put it in the fridge. Did he even get one? No. But put it in the fridge. No matter what John Doe does, we are to love him just the same, fellowship with him just the same as he would when one, he would want one in Christ to fellowship with if we had fallen. We need to share with John how repentance from sin is a gift. We need to tell John Doe, forgiveness is a gift, cleansing is a gift, obedience is a gift, and faith is a gift what we have done we may tell John Doe to is to reach right up and just ask ask him for all of it ask him to forgive you ask him to cleanse you ask him to give you obedience ask him because that's the only way we can It's the only way when we work with people we've got to show them that we've got to help them see these are scriptures that, that validate this. She does seek diligently till she find it. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so it tells us in the scriptures to do that. But for it is God who works in you. The scriptures, we have to link them together and show people, yeah, the scriptures tells us to, to be obedient. But then you've got to find the scriptures that tell you it's God who works in you and does it. Okay, so we can't just give one side of the coin. Or it frustrates and it just makes the person feel like giving up. I felt like giving up. Have you ever felt like giving up? Oh, so many times I've felt like giving up, you guys. Just saying, forget it. This is impossible. It is impossible without Christ. He shall be held up. That's what it says in Romans 14 4. I will strengthen thee, Isaiah 41 10. We got to give both sides of the information to those we study with if personal Bible study is the bread of life how long can we go without eating guys do you know I did a little A typical well-nourished male weighing 70 kilograms or 154 pounds technically has enough calories stored to survive for between one and three months. However, people who have voluntarily stopped eating to participate in hunger strikes have died after 45 to 61 days which suggests that a person would be unlikely to survive for three months okay so the body needs the nutrients in food to survive it uses proteins carbohydrates and fats as well as vitamins and minerals to renew cells and fuel vital bodily processes without food the body starts to use its own tissue as fuel but it can only do this for so long and if the Bible is bread it's our nutrition we're just starving ourselves we're literally starving ourselves if we're not in the word every day and you know we can go longer prayers a breath you can't go very long without prayer you can go a little longer without Bible study but it's still not good (laughs) still not good but it is interesting that sh- that we are told these things. And First Peter three fifteen, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks your reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. When we get into uh, later discussions, uh, and we're going to go through getting a Bible study and sitting down and actually going through a Bible study with someone, we got to remember that there's going to be questions we're going to be asked we don't know the answer to, and that's okay. Yes. That's really okay. It really is. It, I think a lot of people are so afraid they're going to get in a Bible study with someone and they're going to ask them something they don't know the answer to. Because of this scripture, it says, be ready always to give an answer to every man according... But... It's yeah. Right. Just ask for time. Let me look that up. Let me go research that out for you. Right? Or what are you asking them, what do you think? Have you studied that? A lot of times they're asking because they just want to know what you think. But they may have already studied it and they've come to their own conclusions. So when you're in a study, you've got to learn how to ask questions. This is how Jesus did. Jesus asked questions all the time. He'd answer, they'd ask him a question, he'd answer it with a question. And we can do that as well. And so that's why it's so important that we take time in the Word because God will give us that knowledge. And, and he'll bring it to our minds when we need it. And he did bring that knowledge. You knew... That's
2: what I kind of worry about is that's why I'm in his classes, because I, I want to be able to throw out that scripture.
1: Well, don't worry about quoting verbatim that when we get into that segment we're going to talk more about that but that is when we're doing conversations like that with people now obviously you couldn't do a Bible study well today you could on zoom and different things but you know say "Man, I'd really love to study that with you don't even answer their question I'd love to would you would you like to study the Bible with me I would love it I, and you can get a Bible study you can't believe how easy it is and if they say no okay so what so they don't want they're not ready they're not ripe fruit but you don't know unless you ask yeah. and so when a question comes like that don't answer it do not say I would love to study that with you in the Bible now maybe you have some time this you know next few days that he's around and you're around and maybe you'll see him at breakfast and say hey would, I'd like to just show with you in the Bible what it talks about baptism since you asked me you could see that I mean he might be open to it it's
2: kind of hard to beer for
1: breakfast. <laughs> hey Listen, that doesn't matter. That does not matter, Tom. God can work through the inebriated mind. He got through mine. I was drunker than a skunk the night I came home, and I was so depressed. I got on my knees, and all I could say was, help me. But God, the Spirit, got through. He knew I needed help. Somebody must have been praying for me because I was so drunk, and I was so unhappy, and my life was a mess. And because of that prayer, it just opened up opportunities after that for God to work in my life. And I can see how he did it. But I had to ask. So don't think that they're drinking that you can't get through because the Spirit can get through to anybody. Higher than skunks. I have friends that her sons, she she goes over to their house and they're on meth. And they're studying their Bible. Mm -hmm. On meth. I I mean, I'm not saying that's good, but I'm saying, wow! God can work through anything, and and, and we're all different, and and the Word of God illuminates to our minds differently than someone else, and so when you're studying a doctrine, pick only five, like he said, five smooth stones that work for you, that really seal the deal for your understanding of a particular doctrine, and then when you're ready to share it, you've got those in your mind, you know them, and what's another thing, too, is do Bible marking. So you can go on a little study like that, or there's, um, you know, the spirit will just give you the words to say. A lot of times, I just don't answer. I'll say, "What do you think?" Because that engages them into conversation with you, and then that's what Jesus did all the time. He was, a, he asked questions, and we're going to talk about that later. Um, study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth there's a right way and a wrong way to divide the word of truth and so we have to understand that we are blessed as Seventh day Adventists. We are so blessed. We have been shown how to rightly divide the truth. And 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 the people out in the world, not that we're better than them. We, we have a huge responsibility. That's what we have, guys. We are called to be the light bearers. We are called to share the truth. That was Lucifer's job. He fell. Now he's called he's calling every one of us. He has chosen you. If you're a Seventh day Adventist, he has chosen you you to be his mouthpiece to a world that is so not if they're Christians not rightly dividing the word or they're so just like not even in the word and they don't even know anything and they need guidance they need help and and we are there for them that is what we're here for we have such a high calling on our life high calling remember the soul the science of soul winning is the most important work you could ever do so study by topic prayer guidance victory like we were talking about get a doctrine pray uh, study by that doctrine and memorize five i like i like uh, dave's recommendation because there's another, in, later on we're going to see that too many scriptures overwhelms a person. And, and it just almost does the opposite. You would think it would convince them more, right? But it doesn't. It overwhelms them. Just a few really good scriptures that will define a doctrine is all you need. A study of the book by a chapter, we've talked about that. Look at the overall theme of the book. we talked about that. Ask God to show you what he wants you to know in Jeremiah 33 3 it says call on me and I will answer you and show you great and wonderful things that you do not know I use that scripture all the time when I open up the word show me something today God I don't know that I need to know today and he always does he always answers that look for recurring words in a chapter if you see the same word over and over and over again there's a theme going on here there's something important for you to see in as you're studying study by a single word search engines help you with that now today used to have to use the concordance to look up every scripture with that word in it but you will be amazed at what God will show you or a phrase something you see in us maybe in one book put that phrase in the search engine and just see how many other places in the Bible that, that phrase is there and it, it, that is it links the Word of God is so linked together and it's a wonderful way to study the Bible you will I remember one day I just did one on surrender I was just so blown away with all the study on surrender and what that meant. And one thing that came and just jumped off the page at me when I was doing the study on surrender was that we cannot surrender to someone that we do not trust. God's word is all linked together. And and he's given I like to tell people it's a puzzle. The Bible's a puzzle. There's 66 books. There's 40 authors living with over a span of 2500 years and they all agree. You can't put forty men in a room that are all from the same culture, <laughs> same age, and everything, and have them agree. And I'll ask them. I'll tell that to my Bible student. I'll say, "Why? Why do you think they all agree? How can these forty men from twenty five hundred years? Well, how can they all agree?" And they're just like dumbfounded. And every once in a while, somebody will say, "Because there's one author." I was like, "Yeah, there's one author." So God is so. God is, a, is, the Bible's a puzzle. And he's given some to Moses. He's given some to Jeremiah. He's given some of the picture of the puzzle, puzzle pieces to Isaiah. He's given some to John and Paul. He's given puzzle pieces to all of them. And then when you put them all together and lay them out on a table, what do you see? Jesus. Amen. You see Jesus. I love to give people that word picture. I love word pictures. <laughs> Just the other day, God gave me a word picture. Uh, I'm probably running out of time. Yes, I'm over time. Sorry. We're almost done though. Study by the Holy Spirit's guidance. I will ask God what I should read today. If I'm not like on a trajectory of, of reading something, maybe I'm done with a book. I ask God. What should I read? And he leads me in my mind what I should study. Ask him. Because He knows what you need. Do you know what you need? I don't know what I need. I don't know what I need. I really don't. But God knows what I need to study next. Ask Him. There are many times in our experience we should ask God what we should study or read. I do this frequently. Memorize and meditate on the Word. Hide it in your heart. Take time. Just take a little, script, few scriptures. Meditate on it. It's not a rush. It's not like a, like a... Oh, I read my chapter, two chapters today, or I read for 30 minutes, check. That's not, what, that's not how we should come to the Word. The Word of God should be like, wow, this passage just really spoke to me, and just read it again. And talk to God about it, and read it again. And talk to God about it, and keep reading it. Maybe you should memorize part of it. Whatever, meditate. That's what it is to meditate on His Word. And remember them, visualize how I feel how would I feel if I were there and what does it mean for me today your faith will bring salvation to others remember the story when they brought the man through the roof Jesus said seeing their faith he told the man your sins are forgiven because of their faith faith in God's Word so shall my word be that goes out forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing where I sent it So God's Word, I used to think that it always would be good, because not return unto me void, but my husband pointed out to me, he's like, Cindy, that is not what the scripture is saying. It's saying every time, God's Word either brings brings you to a decision, either follow, believe, or not, and go away. So it it all comes back to Him as you decided. So it doesn't come back to God void because you have to make a decision because God doesn't force if you were to read it that way then God would make everybody do it and he doesn't it brings you to a choice and you decide so it doesn't ever come back to God void because it's either yes or no it really is that's what and that's how we need to know when we're studying with people it's their choice we should not get all like somehow we failed or we did something wrong if they choose no it's going to happen and it's sad, but it's gonna happen. Faith in God's ability to work anywhere. When we moved to Eureka, Kansas, when I was listening to the sermon last night of the when um, the pastor from Oklahoma was talking about, you know, people saying or no, he was talking about the book that people they were studying the churches that were declining and the churches that were, you know, starting and and, and growing we got to Eureka Kansas when my husband was asked to go there to pastor we heard this evangelism doesn't work here people are not open here they know who we are and they have no idea no interest in whatsoever and what we haven't done evangelism in 10 years because it doesn't work here (laughs) 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 and we went home and we prayed. we you know Steve was so frustrated but he came home and like Cindy we have to show him it does we got to show him it does work no matter where you are, if you have God, it works. So I started being a literature evangelist and I started going door to door, selling books. I got Bible study after Bible study after Bible study after Bible study. And when I got a man, I gave it to my husband. And when I was a woman, I did the study. We had 20 baptisms in four years. It works. I don't care where you are. It was a little small town. Eureka, Kansas had 5,000 people in it. It was a dying town. It was very small. Everybody knew everybody because I remember the first time I went to the grocery store, someone came up and introduced themselves to me. Oh, you're the new Seventh-day Adventist pastor's wife. I'm like, how does she know that? (laughs) Yeah, I am. But how do you know that? Oh, we know here. We just know and it's true. They know. Uh, they knew of the because there was a school there. They knew of the Adventist Church, and there was some a huge wall of of um, you know division. They didn't. There was that factor there, but we can break that wall down. We can. God can, not we can. Excuse me, God. You can. God can do it notice in Acts 18.10 faith that God has people out there who desire to follow him for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee for I have what? where what city was this? I can't remember either the disciples were discouraged they didn't think that they could reach anybody because they were such idolaters what did you say? it it may have been Antioch um, but anyway, Acts 18, I haven't, uh, I'm doing a week by week, one chapter a week through Acts and I with a group. And wow, we are just finding it to be a training manual. And, and we're studying it one chapter a week and di- just dissecting it. And wow, there's so much in there to, to study and to see what God wants to do with us and for us. So God is telling them, I have much people in this city. Don't think I don't. No matter where you are, you can be in the most wicked city. Jonah, he had to go to Nineveh. Someone told me that going to Nineveh was like being a missionary to Iraq. A missionary, to go into one of those places where it's Muslim in a country and if you evangelize, you will have your head cut off. That's what Nineveh was like. Do you think he'd, would you want to go? (laughs) So that's why he ran away. He was afraid. So, it was a wicked city and he they repented and they came back to God. It's amazing. And he was upset. Yeah. Yeah, he was upset. Yeah, that's a whole nother dimension of that. That's crazy, but yeah, that's a whole nother craziness of that story. So, faith, regardless of the obstacles, as the will of man cooperates with the will of God, it becomes omnipotent. What? Our will becomes omnipotent what how can that be possible whatever is to be done at his command may be accomplished in his strength all his biddings are his enablings if he has called you to do something he will do it through you he chooses to use this broken person that is sinful and fallen he chooses to use us to do it it's amazing I will never, never regret the day I said yes to Jesus. Kindness is the key to the heart. The Bible teacher H. Clay Trumbull was riding on a train next to a person who opened a flask and offered him a drink. Of whiskey dr. Trumbull declined the offer a few minutes later the man repeated the offer and again dr. Trumbull turned him down this is another uh, Glenn Coon story the third time the offer was made the man said to dr. Trumbull, I bet you think I am a rather evil man doing all this drinking don't you and he said no I was thinking what a generous man you are to keep offering me a drink <laughs> The man was so touched by his kindness that Dr. Trumbull was able to lead him to Christ before the journey ended. Be there for the person you're laboring for Christ. Be there in acts of kindness, words of encouragement and prayer. Talk faith to them and be a friend. Studying the word together is a very intimate thing to do. People will open up and share very private things and struggles with you and events in their life. At all costs, you must keep everything they share confidential. I highly recommend that when studying the word one-on-one, that you never study with the opposite sex. Yes. Yeah. It's not good. Unless you're it's a couple and a couple. That's fine. But never a man with a woman and a woman with you know a woman leading a man because it's just so intimate. Studying the Bible with someone is so intimate. It brings out all these things in your life. And and you become so connected. The people I've studied the Bible with are my friends for life. I'm so connected to them. I, you know, and, and I move around a lot, so I, I, I have friends all over. And we're going back to Kansas next week because my husband's marrying two couples there. One, he baptized when he was eight. And another couple that I studied with her, and we're studying with her potential, her fiancé, through Zoom. You know, the pandemic was awful and horrible, but it opened up the world to us to be able to study with anybody anywhere in the world. And we study with them every Sunday night. And he's getting baptized, and Steve's marrying them. And I studied with her 20 years ago. She's like a sister to me. When you study the Word of God with someone and pour your life into them, they are your family. <laughs> They're your family. Like your
2: babies. Unless in a group, I have to say. Yes. Group studies are
1: mixed usually. Yeah, but that one on one is so intimate. I love the one on one better than a group. Mm -hmm. I do groups, but I I prefer the one on one. Do you bring people with you, Cindy? Or do you like to do it alone? I never. I have been lately, um, because my job now at the conference is to teach others how to do the Bible, but in the past it's usually just been me and the person, but now that my position requires me to train others, which I should have been doing from day one, but, um, I do bring somebody I ask Adventists to come and join and and we're going to talk about that because if someone comes with you there's a role that other person plays and it's not to interrupt you (laughs) so um, we we you know you have to make some if you have someone coming with you their their job is to pray Mm -hmm. and to watch the other person's facial expressions to notice things you may have not noticed and to be praying and and if you ask them to answer a question you know that's fine but you yeah, know we can't have someone if you come two by two one person has to be in charge of the study and you can swap that back and forth the other, you know next week the other person do it but you know so that you both have the opportunity to share the word with someone but yeah that your partner should be a quiet second person with you that's praying um, your efforts for good have been unsuccessful this i I just want to encourage you this is our last slide unsuccessful 99 times and you received only insult and hate because that happens yet if the 100th time proves success and one soul is saved remember what the value of that one soul is oh what a victory is achieved one soul wrenched from Satan's grasp, one soul benefited, one soul encouraged, this will a thousand times repay you for all your efforts. Testimonies to the Church, volume 2, page 31. Don't stop. Don't give up. I also want to share a story about the one soul before we end. There was $10,000 paid, spent on this evangelistic series, and, you know, a very well-known evangelist came to the town, and they had this big, huge series, and the church was was so excited, except only one person was baptized, and it was a 16-year-old boy who was the son of an Adventist, was the only person baptized, and the evangelist thought he failed. He said, what did I do wrong, God? And he really did. I mean, he thought he should leave the ministry. He really did not think that he accomplished anything by that. Who do you think the 16-year-old boy was? Anybody know the story? And I forgot who the person was. Mark Finley. Oh, really? Wow. How many, people, how many souls has Mark Finley brought to Christ? Did that evangelist fail? No. He won that 16-year-old young man's heart for Jesus at the time he hear his testimony Mark Finley he had no desire in Christ his mother was Catholic and his father was Adventist and his father was so wise in how he led his boy and Mark Finley wow! I met Mark Finley once I I, I looked at his eyes I saw Jesus the presence around that man is godly Yes, it's going to be amazing when we get there. You know how God orchestrates the heavens? He orchestrates our lives when we have surrendered to Him. He will lead and guide you to people. Yes. Because He, he orchestrates the heavens and, and the multitudes and the billions and trillions and quadrillions and all. I mean, we, it's infinite what He does. Why can't He just connect us when we need to be? He connects us when we're surrendered. This is the only world that's in. In rebellion, and so because we are, he can't he can't orchestrate unless we ask, unless we surrender to his orchestration. Then, and ask on the part of others. Yes, and then he can work in other people's lives because we pray intercede for them. That's right, because he wouldn't be able to otherwise. So our prayers are needed for intercession as well. So important to be praying for those you are studying the word with. So important. So keep trying, and um, I guess I thought that was the last one. Here's the review. Personal prayer, personal Bible study, having faith, this, just pouring your life out into other, someone else's life and being persistent. God will, God will just bring fruit from your labors, from whatever you do. Yeah. This, is, this is the key, right here, you guys, right here. This is it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning to come together and just lift up Jesus and all that he's done in our lives. We are so in awe that you can use us, Lord, in this work of, of saving souls. Father, just give us divine appointments. Uh, orchestrate our lives in such a way that we will meet those the person that you want us to meet so that we can help them find you. That is the most important thing. Father, we love you and we praise you and we're so thankful for everything you've done in our lives personally. And we know that you, you can use us and we believe that you can because you are all-powerful. Amen. All power was given to Christ over heaven and earth and he wants to work in and through us. We pray that he will use us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: the Propel Conference, we put a lot of emphasis on the practice of reflection. Don't just take in this fire hose of information. Stop for a moment and think about how could you apply this in your own ministry? What was a big idea that jumped out at you? How can you apply what you just heard in your own church? What are you inspired to do? When this episode finishes in another minute or so, I encourage you to pause for five or ten minutes and just let your mind wander. This reflection time can be really powerful. Okay, that's it for this episode. Special thanks to Cindy Kaiser for speaking at this year's conference. And we're gonna hear part two of her class in the next episode. This has been the Propel podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. The Propel podcast is sponsored by the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and is produced by the crew at Sermon View Evangelism Marketing. I'm Larry Witzel, wishing you God's richest blessing in your evangelistic journey. Please join us again next time for another episode of The Propel Podcast.